0: We're in Acts chapter nine, and I actually marked the page here. Acts chapter nine, and I believe verse fifteen or thereabout. But we're uh, looking at uh, this instruction that was given to Ananias to go into uh, Saul to help him receive his sight, and the uh, description there that was kind of given by the Lord as to Uh, why he chose him and what he chose him to do and what his future would be, speaking of Saul. And then uh, he's actually going to go execute on what the Lord or what the Lord has told him to do. So at the top of page uh, 112, we see uh, the last piece of what the Lord is telling uh, uh, Ananias is that Saul is going to bear. That's the wrong page. I'm sorry. Uh, We're actually at the middle of page 113, so I'm not paying attention to my own markings there. But in the middle of page 113, we see that uh, uh, the end of this is uh, Ananias is going to go in and and, uh, execute on what the Lord said. Uh, And so the last piece or, or part to that is. All that he's going to do, uh, speaking of Saul, is going to be on behalf of the name or character of the of the Lord. And that's where we left off. But pick it up in verse 10 and we'll just read through the context and then pick back up. And I believe verse 16 is where we left off. But it says in verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Uh, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man uh, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the uh, children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hast sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at, Jeru- or at Damascus. I don't know where I got Jerusalem from. And straightway, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for the intent that he might bring uh, them bound unto the chief priests? But Paul increased more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ, or really uh, the Christ. This is the very the Christ, the Messiah, the one Uh, That they had been waiting on. But let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll uh, get back into it. And I believe we again, we left off at page or verse 16. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day, uh, grateful for uh, an opportunity to continue looking through this story uh, concerning the conversion of Saul. And we know that uh, it it shows the uh, just the amazing nature of your choosing of us that uh, someone who was working directly against you and in direct opposition to you uh, could be saved and, and utilized in the way that he was. Uh, and we're grateful for that. We know that there's no power of men. There's no uh, favor that men garner in and of themselves, but it's that uh, you have chosen us and you in time call us to salvation Uh, much in the same way that that, uh, Saul was chosen. So we uh, pray that as we continue through this, again, it would give us an appreciation for uh, what you've done through us by grace and that uh, we would have the opportunity to appreciate that as well as the foundation that was laid for us by other saints. We pray all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and so as we look at it in page 113, uh, we look at the suffering that's foretold by uh, the Lord. And remember, he says that it's going to be on behalf of my name or for my name's sake. And so, uh, again, I think it was to ease the mind of Ananias here, right? As he's looking at this murderous madman that was after the church, the Lord eases eases his mind by saying, hey, this guy is going to suffer on behalf of my name. Uh, And that eases his mind a little bit to be able to go into him. Uh, But we see this is also utilized as a a mechanism or, well, it is utilized as a mechanism uh, for alleviating the concerns of Ananias. And so the suffering of Saul was foretold by the Lord. And it showed that Saul would share something in common with believers. Right. The very ones that he was pushing to persecute he's going to suffer in the same way and probably even more than most of these believers are suffering. Uh, and so we see, uh, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse uh, 26, Paul talks about sharing in common, uh, with the body, uh, with regard to suffering. And so go with me really quickly over there. Uh, first Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26. And this is the actual carrying out of what the Lord said was going to happen, but not just that. The fact that suffering of all Christians is as one body and we don't think about that as much today uh, because we don't endure a lot of suffering here in America. Right. But there are believers around the world in different places that are suffering and and suffering through uh, persecution. Uh, And know that this is all part of being the body of Christ. We all suffer when one suffers. I don't see anybody in here that has pain in one part of their body and the rest of your body says, oh, it's too bad (laughs) for you, right? Your ankle is hurting. Well, fairly well. No, your your body all suffers together, right? Because it's connected to the same head. Uh, And so you see this, uh, even though those other parts of the body might not be suffering by themselves, they empathize with that other part of the body because it's part of the same uh, body. And real quick, before we go to verse 26, we can't go here without remembering what it says earlier in the chapter. So go to verse 12. Uh, or verse 11 actually it says but all these work the one and self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will so he's talking about gifts right everybody has different gifts but they're all working together in the same body for verse 12 for as the body is one and hath many members and all uh, the members of that one body being many are one body so also is the christ this entity with christ at the head for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been made to drink into one spirit. So it's talking about this unity that exists in the body of Christ. Right. It's, it, it exists with our individualized gifts. Even though we all have different gifts, we all belong to the same body. And the same is true concerning the suffering of believers, even though one is suffering way over here in another part of the world. Guess what? We're all part of that same body. So we all suffer uh, together. We should be if we're connected uh, to the head. Uh, Now, skip down to verse 24. It says for our comely parts have no need, but God have uh, tempered the body together, having given uh, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should be the same or or have the same care one for another. So what's going on here in Corinth? They're not connected to the head. Right. So they can't uh, they can't empathize with the rest of the body when it's suffering because they're disconnected from the head. Right. If you look at the human body, whenever one body part is disconnected from the head, it's not good for the function of that body. You can end up losing that body part, right? Well, I guess the same could be said about the Christian body, right? That uh, part of the body is not connected to the head. Eventually, that part of the body is going to be cut off from operating here on this earth. Uh, Verse 26, and it says, and whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or one uh, member be honored, all members uh, rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and the members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles then gifts of uh, healing, helps, govern uh, governments, diversities of tongues. uh, And so he goes on there. So he's kind of weaving in here this operation of spiritual gifts and how the body suffers together, right? (laughs) Successfully, as people are using their gifts together, everyone's going to benefit from the use of those gifts. And as everyone is suffering, we all suffer together. And Paul is uh, stating this as fact. So as you think back to what is predicted here by the Lord in Acts, where he's saying, hey, Saul is going to suffer on my behalf. Well, His suffering is going to be in unity with the rest of the body. And this gives Ananias some understanding. Hey, this guy is one of us, right? He's one of us. He's part of the body of Christ. We also see over in Colossians 124 that Paul alludes to his suffering as being on behalf of the Colossian saints for their lack of suffering. And so he makes up, as it were, for the lack of suffering for them. Now, how many in the room uh, would gladly take upon themselves the suffering that is lacking for other believers? Do we have any volunteers in here? That would, <laughs> if our church were coming behind and suffering, anybody want to take that on <laughs> individually for the <laughs> for the rest of the church? I don't see any volunteers out there. <laughs> Here's what uh, Paul talks about here. And go back just a little bit. Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1. And let's pick it up in verse 17. Well, 16, it says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him, all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness uh, dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies, in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through the, through death uh, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue or remain in the faith grounded and settled uh, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which uh, was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Who now rejoice in my sufferings on behalf of you and fill up that which is behind or lacking of the afflictions of the Christ uh, in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, uh, which is given to me for you uh, to fulfill the word of God. And so he goes on to talk about this mystery of the indwelling Christ. But here talking about suffering, right? He's suffering individually and the things that he's suffering, he sees as on behalf of the rest of the church. He's uh, individualizing this suffering and we uh, see it again predicted back in the book of Acts. And so the sufferings of Saul uh, or the suffering of Saul was not otherwise necessary to be known by Ananias. What other reason As we're going back to Acts chapter nine would Ananias have needed to know that Paul was going to suffer, but to settle him down, right? <laughs> the big bad Saul, the one that everybody was afraid of, the big monster, guess what? He's going to suffer just like any other believer would suffer. That same suffering that he's meting out on other believers, he's going to experience himself. And it is with this foundation and this knowledge that Ananias is then able to go to Saul and do exactly what the Lord asked him to do right We talked about before how interesting it is that both Peter and Ananias, when they are called upon by God to do something different than what they had experienced or seen before, their first instinct was to do what question <laughs> so. Oh, you don't really mean that. (laughs) You don't really mean for me to go in uh, to this guy who's a murderer. Right. You're sending me into a sabotage. Well, God is easing his mind. Right. You're going to be all right. Ananias. Go ahead and go in. So in verse 17, we see the response then or the obedience of Ananias. It says there and Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto you in the way, as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot going on here in this verse. Uh, The first statement here, and Ananias went his way. I think it is said this way for a specific reason. Now, he says, uh, or or this verb that's utilized here is to come away from, to go away from one place into another. And it's particularized to Ananias to say his way, right? (laughs) He departed from where he was and he went. And I think this is showing that his volition is finally aligning with what God is asking him to do, right? Before he was questioning, I don't know if this is the right thing. Through the convincing of God, he's willing to align his will to what God is asking him to do. And so he goes his way. Uh, And this uh, uh, and that's used here is used uh, with the aorist active uh, verb in order to uh, express the event or the next event in this in this sequence. And so right after the Lord told him this and right after his conversation with the Lord His very next action is to go his way and be obedient to what God is asking him to do. Now, the next uh, thing is stated is that he entered into the house Uh, and (laughs) we see this conjunction. And then this is different than the last and we saw. This is Kai. And it connects the departure from Ananias's interaction with the Lord into going into the house where Saul uh, currently was. And so this idea here of entering in, he came into uh, the house. And so from outside of the house, uh, into the house, top of page 114, we see the healing of Saul, another and <laughs> there's a lot of ands here that are used. We don't do this often in English where we go and, 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 but here in the Greek, you see it, this chi, uh, uh conjunction used again. Uh, and so what action does it, ta- does he take? He puts his hands on him now, Uh, We see this a lot. And I didn't go track down all of these verses where uh, they're putting their hands on them in order to either receive the Holy Spirit or to receive some healing. Uh, But you see that there is one one spot I want to look at real quick. Go back with me to Acts chapter three. I'm taking a risk here because I didn't look at this before. (laughs) But I think when Peter uh, healed the the lame man, he, he touched him as well. Uh, And pick it up at verse one. It says now Peter and John went up together uh, into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, uh, which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the the temple asked an alms and Peter fastening his eyes upon him uh, with John said, look on us. And he giving heed unto, him, unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped up and stood up uh, and stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. So you see here um, again, he's touching him, not not in the same way that it's mentioned over in Acts chapter nine, but this grabbing of his hands and pulling him up. Now, do you think that they had to touch them in order for them to receive this healing? No, this is, I think, done for those that are outside so they can physically understand what's spiritually taking place. Right. God is the one that's doing the healing, but they see, hey, they touched this guy and he's able to receive strength. And so the outside person is able to see that this actually took place. Now, I'm always intrigued by the church today where people (laughs) believe uh, there's got to be some touching right? or when they're uh, sending people on their way. Let's let's stretch our hands forward towards this person as if there's some transfer of power that's happening from the individual. No, the, the power is in the hands of God. Right. It's not in the hands of man. And so I just wanted to call that out as we uh, come through here. But this idea of putting his hands on him is to put or to place. Uh, literally upon, so you have the eposition preppy, use, uh, epi. <laughs> I said preppy. Epi. I sounds like, uh, <laughs> Zach Slater in, uh, <laughs> Saved by the Bell. That's what he used to call, uh, Zach Morris would call Slater preppy. <laughs> epi, the epi preposition <laughs> is utilized here, uh, with the verb tip, tip, me, which means to put her to place. And so, uh, to place your hands upon. So he physically did this, uh, and upon him. Uh, And and he did this with his hands. Uh, Next, we see the obedience of Ananias in the confirmation of Saul. And so he says, Brother Saul, uh, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way uh, uh, that thou camest, has sent me. So this is an interesting statement that he makes here. Right. He confirms something to Saul. So Saul had a little bit of a a cloudiness of understanding what's going on here. And he's clarifying that he has been sent by the Lord. And so this directly ties with the vision that we see the Lord state to Ananias that Saul had. Right. So this is just confirmation that God has sent Ananias here to do exactly uh, what the Lord has asked for him to do. Really quickly, go with me over to uh, Acts chapter 22 and verse 13, and we see that this is co- confirmed by Saul a little bit later in in Acts as he rehearses what happened here uh, back as he's appearing uh, before this leadership. Uh, and here before the Jews, and remember, they had taken him into custody and they're asking him why uh, he brought this man into the temple and he's given them uh, the what's for as to to what's happened to him over the course of time and why he's uh, now uh, following after this uh, sect, as they saw it, uh, rather than persecuting it. In verse nine, it says, and they uh, that were with him are, are with me. And so he's going in the middle of the story here uh, of his conversion on the road to Damascus. saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not a voice uh, or the voice of him that spake with me. And I said, uh, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto unto me, Arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told to thee all of the things which uh, are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, Came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked upon him and he said, uh, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see the just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Now, I want to call out a little, I underlined it in my Bible. He said, You shall see the just one. Now, for these people that don't think that Paul Saul and spoke with the Lord after uh, his conversion. Here you go. Here's more evidence to that. You will see him, right? And, and we know that that's confirmed by Saul over in uh, Galatians chapter 1, uh, verse 15, for thou shalt be uh, his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass uh, when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed uh, in the temple, I was in a trance. And so we could go on from there. But you see this idea of his confirmation exactly of what Ananias had done in chapter 9. Uh, And so it confirms him as a brother. Despite his uh, previous hesitance, it confirms uh, his knowledge of Saul's journey, speaking of Ananias, and it confirms his sending uh, from the Lord. And so uh, just the similar way there that Ananias was a little hesitant, right, and needed confirmation of what the Lord was telling him. Saul got the same confirmation on the other side when Ananias came uh, based on the things that were told uh, of him by the Lord. Now we see the lastly in this verse 17, the purpose of the appearance of Ananias, uh, and he says that you might look up. And so, this idea here that he couldn't see before and now is going to have the opportunity to see again. Uh, this idea of looking up comes from our Greek word anablepsis, and so you guys have probably heard and remember the verb blepo, which we uh, state is just a quick glance, not, not the idea of. of sitting here looking at somebody for a long period of time uh, but looking at something uh, and not having complete discernment uh, and they, uh, the preposition of up here and so together this usually uh, is used of a newness of vision or seeing something that you were unable to previously see. And I want to go to just a couple of places where this use, this is used because it's usually used in the Gospels of when the Lord healed a blind person and they're able to see. And what you have here with these blind people is these are people that have been blind all of their lives and have never seen anything. Right. So you and I, if we were living and we had lost our vision, you know what you were missing. Right. (laughs) It's like uh, with with the the crippled man that walked. We were just looking at with Peter. He had never walked before. So he didn't know his mind had no idea what it was like to walk. And so seeing that happen in real time is way different than someone that experienced it in another way. Here we're looking at Paul and this same verb is used for those people that were blind completely from birth. And the Lord gave them something that they had never had or experienced before. And so I think what why I'm going to go back to these is because it's tying in with something that's happening here with Saul. Right. He might have seen before, but he didn't see before. He might have physically been able to look before, but he had never spiritually experienced true sight. It reminds you of the song Amazing Grace, right? We were all blind before our salvation, and we were able to clearly see spiritually after our salvation. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5, and we see one of these occurrences. We're not going to go to all of these, but... They're there for your study if you'd like to go back. But it's interesting how many times uh, this word is used of people that were blind before, physically blind, and then able to see. I'll get there eventually. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5. And pick it up in verse 2. It says, now when John... uh, had heard in the prison the works of uh, Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, art thou he that should come, or do we uh, look for another? And so remember here, uh, John, I think, (laughs) as the uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit that was with him is starting to wane, he's starting to act a lot more in the flesh, right? (laughs) And our flesh needs to be validated of things that we might know in our minds could be true concerning the things of God, but it's 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 kind of in contrast with our flesh. You guys understand this as we're waiting on the, the rapture and all of the things that God's promised. Do you always have a clear vision that this thing is going to happen? Or do you sometimes say, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long time. It hasn't happened yet. Or maybe you get like the pastor in his dream where he, <laughs> he dreamed the rapture was happening and then he woke up to a nightmare. Right? <laughs> uh, but we see here uh, uh, John's faith is starting to wane. In verse 4 it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. You see, all the signs are there that everything that is supposed to happen is on course to happen, including this uh, receiving of sight of the blind. Now, I want to get to one where we see specifically a, a healing, and I I didn't chart these out as I should have, so We'll have to kind of work our way through them. Go over to Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34. Ah, there, There we go. And pick it up in verse 29. And it says, as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will you that I should do unto you? They say say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So here <laughs> they're able to see, right? Anna Bleppo, they're able to look up where they were never able to look before. And really here, uh, Bleppo, or Anna also has the idea of new in the way that it's used, and I think this is that idea here, new sight, right? knew that it never never happened before uh, and so uh, this idea of being able to see and so we, again we won't go through all of these you guys can look at some of those other ones on your own time and it's, it's very interesting to look at uh, people that were healed and going back over to Acts chapter 9 uh, we see the same thing with Saul right except he was able to see before so this is not talking about physical sight here i don't think yes he did receive physical sight but he's seeing in a whole new way than he ever saw before right this this persecution that he thought he was doing on behalf of god is a thing of the past and here he's born anew and able to to spiritually see where he was never able to see before uh and so uh the idea here of you might look uh and then The second verb that's used is also in the subjunctive. Uh, And again, these are conditional statements that are based on things that are going to happen in the future. And here, (laughs) the not so distant future. Uh, But this idea of he might be filled. And so uh, we have two words that are used for filled. And I've kind of mentioned this before earlier as we were in the uh, book of Acts. And I believe as we were going through in uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit in chapter two, this verb is used there and it has the idea of a filling. I would say, that is not the same as the way you and I were filled. Right. And it's usually uh, emblematic of these that, that the Holy Spirit came to in different kind of ways than than how he came to us. And so I would say it's a, a filling for a purpose. Right. Paul or Saul was filled for a purpose to accomplish these things that God has for him to do. We're filled, play ra'o, with the Holy Spirit from the time we believe the facts of the gospel. We didn't have to have anyone come and lay their hands on us for us to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is where I think a lot of churches get off into a lot of different kinds of doctrines because they can't separate these two ideas of being filled right here, right? And see the differences in how the early church operated and how we're able to operate now. Right? The Holy Spirit had to fill people for purposes so that he could make up for the differences between how the church or, or how uh, Jews were operating and how the church was supposed to operate. And you see this uh, coming up here. And so uh, Saul. As uh, Ananias places his hands on him, he receives or is caused uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. And I would say this is a specialized feeling of the Holy Spirit not seen beyond the book of Acts. You never see this word used after the book of Acts. But go back really quickly to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And we see it at the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I would say to those that would argue differently, uh, if all believers are filled this way, why do we not see this word used outside of the book of Acts? Uh, Very, very important distinction to make. Uh, But in verse one or verse one of chapter two, it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they all were filled, right? So here, here comes the importance of the Greek, right? Sometimes you really have to look at these words because filled is going to be filled all through scripture. You're not going to see any different words used for filled. They're all going to say filled. And is it the same filled? No, it's not. You see this word here for pimply me, uh, used uh, of the filling. And so they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? There was a result that came from it. They began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. And so you see what is the effect of them being filled here? They start to speak in tongues. Were you guys filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues? No. You didn't have your second feeling. That's what the problem is. Uh, No, let's not go down that road. Uh, So you see here, this feeling was for Paul to accomplish his specific purpose as being an apostle, as going out and speaking in the way that he did and doing healing and all of these different things that he was able to do. Uh, And it's distinct from the feelings that we see, again, outside of the book of Acts. Now, the uh, new sight of Saul, we see in verse 18 and going back over to uh, Acts chapter nine. And so he's received and then filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, he's able to see physically. And I believe more importantly, he's now able to see spiritually. What we see in verse 18, it says, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received his sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Now, very interesting statement to me. Uh, this, as it had been scales uh, falling from his eyes. Now, uh, I I looked and uh, tried to ascertain medically, and we don't know enough here uh, of what was going on with Saul. But when I hear this word scales, I think of people that have. Uh, some of these eye impediments, right? That uh, uh, the little layer, and I'm forgetting what the the um, malady is called, called it causes this little layer that is impeding people's cataracts. There we cataracts. go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and so that's what I thought of, but I, I couldn't prove that. Uh, but we see this active description of what happened. He says immediately, right? This word euthetos, th- uh, you, you which means the next action. After Ananias' words in action, the 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 blindness or whatever was impeding his vision fell away. Right, it was the next next thing that happened uh, in this course of action, and fell from his eyes. And so, um, now interestingly enough, I think we can make the case that there was something physically impeding his vision because it does say that something physically fell from his eyes. But then it says as it had been scaled. So we don't know what that something was. Uh, But the fell comes from our Greek word, uh, a a pepison, which means to uh, fall away from. uh, And his eyes, plural, there was something impeding uh, the vision of both of his eyes. Uh, And then it says, as it were. This uh, idea of hosai uh, is a comparative adverb looking at the similarity in which something was accomplished. Uh, And so here the comparison of what had happened or fell from his eyes. Now, what are they comparing it to? Scales. Now, this word for scales is our word for fish scales. And so it says uh, something was impeding. Something clear, (laughs) I would say, would be the, the similarity there. Was impeding the vision of Saul, and was uh, surgically repaired in real time, <laughs> let's say, right by the by the laying on of hands of of Ananias, and really by the power of God. Do You guys have page one fifteen. I gave it to yeah. you this morning. Okay, top of page one fifteen is where we're at, uh, and so we see uh, also in this verse the new newness of vision, uh, and it says there in verse eighteen that he immediately received his sight, and so. Again, I would emphasize to you that it is not just the physical site that's going on here, but spiritual. Uh, And then it says forthwith, uh, this idea from the, uh, this word is from the composition of the preposition para, which means alongside of. And uh, krema, which is a thing, a matter or affair or an event. And so providing the idea that the very next action in this sequence uh, of time is uh, uh, coming upon Ananias uh, saying, receive your sight. And so a uh, lot of sequential type words that are used here. He says straightway. He uses these uh, conjunction, And then he says forthwith. These are very sequential. This happened and this happened and this happened uh, in, in events. We could go over to a couple of places where this word "forthwith" is used. Uh, uh, we won't go to them here, but just just uh, uh, scanning through them for you guys' knowledge. Uh, we see it uh, happen with the healing of the crippled man upon hearing the words of of Peter. And so, as soon as he said, uh, "You receive or uh, arise and walk," I believe is what he said there. "Forthwith," he received his uh, strength to his ankle bones. Uh, We see the sequential death of Sapphira after her lie uh, to Peter. And so remember, she said, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I received her. We we gave such an amount. And what happened (laughs) right after that? Boom, she dropped dead. Uh, Not a good thing. Over in Acts chapter 12 and verse 23, we see the sequential death of Herod after accepting praise as a God. And so remember there, they said, that's the voice of a God and not a man. And as soon as he accepted that praise, what happened? Boom, he dropped dead. Uh, and then the last one over in Acts chapter 13 and verse 11, we see it uh, of the sequential blinding of Elimus by Saul. And so what does Saul say? Uh, this guy is continuing uh, to try to, to fight against him and what he's doing. And he said, you will be struck blind. <laughs> and and what happened? Boom, he's struck blind. And so here we see that this is the exact thing that happened uh, after he said, receive your sight. Uh, The next steps that happened, he rose up. And so physically, he stood from the place where he was formerly sitting uh, blind. And spiritually, I would say he's springing to life in Christ from where he was once dead. So I see a lot of stuff going on spiritually here uh, that we're seeing happen in the description physically. Right. Before he was unable to see spiritually and physically now he's receiving his sight and he's able to see like he could never see before uh, and verses 19 through 31 which would be the next uh, context we're going to look into and I'm going to slow down here a bit and we're past time anyway and wasn't even paying attention so this is a good stopping place uh, but we'll come back in a couple weeks and we'll be looking at the obedience of Saul to his gifting and so uh, Saul begins immediately after that uh, to recover, right from all that has happened, and then he goes to start using uh, his gifts. And what we'll do is to tie uh, together some of what we see over in Galatians uh, with this, and uh, we'll we'll make sense of what's going on in the journey of Saul as he's now a new man. All right, let's bow in a word of prayer as we close out. Father, we're grateful uh, for this day, and uh, grateful again for the grace that uh, you supplied. Uh, Not just to uh, believers before, but to us, and that uh, we can look back on all of these things that they went through and, and know that it wasn't exactly the same journey, but it was laying the foundation for what we are able to take part in today. And so uh, we're grateful uh, for those that have gone before us that, that paved the way for the grace that we're now experiencing. Uh, may we be ones that lay the foundation for those that come after us should your son not return first. And as the uh, uh, song says, may, may all who come behind us find us faithful and, and know that we've uh, walked this walk and that they can do it too. And we pray these things in your son Jesus name. Amen.